0: Aloha, A's fans, and welcome to the town tailgate, where we are donning our Hawaiian shirts, because guess what? The waves are breaking, and we're riding them fuckers. Chris, we are riding the wave.
1: I just pulled out my Sean Mania bobblehead when he won his... um. That's a terrible bobblehead! <laughs> when he won his uh, perfect... Or his no-hitter. Pretty cool. In honor of Shamanaya and his epic start to the season uh, after a horrible first um, outing, um, we decided to wear Hawaiian shirts. Um, so that's what that's what we're wearing today. So welcome to that podcast.
0: That's right. We got an action-packed show for you today, folks. We got some big three news, which includes another no-hitter happened again. Uh also, like baseball viewership is on the rise, and we're gonna talk a little bit about that and how it could get even better. We also yeah, ask... it could be better, but the fucking we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll time. get to it. Don't worry. I'm about very it. upset. Yes, about yes, it. We, are, we all are. Also, we got some A's news. I'm sure, if, unless you lived under a rock, the A's are streaking as of tonight. They're on an 11-game win streak, thanks in part to some hot pitching, some fantastic hitting, great defense, uh, but. I think the big part of the show, we have a special guest this week. Chris, who is that? A's beat
1: writer for MLB.com, Martin Gallegos. This was a really fun one. I think you guys will enjoy it. We talk a little bit about music at the end because he's a music aficionado. But um, also some you know good insight on um, some really unique things that, that we, me and Julio have kind of noticed about the team this year. Um, how they're playing a little bit more small ball. What the secret is behind like Sean and
0: I playing so well. But it was it's fun. You guys will definitely enjoy this one. And then we'll close at the show doing our usual stuff. Talk about the upcoming series, do our player of the week and close it out with our essential tool of the week. But Chris, let's waste no damn time at all. Another, no-hitter has Another no-hitter. no hitter has happened. Another no hitter. No, 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 no. And this time that it belongs to Mr. Carlos Rondon from the Chicago White Sox. He threw a no hitter last week against the Cleveland team. And, He was one hit-by-pitch away from a perfect game, but his uh, slider just slid a little too much and hit, I believe it was Framil Reyes on his toe. Didn't he hit him, like, yeah, hit hit him in the foot? That
1: blows so much, because if he just moves his foot, that's a ball, and, you know, I mean, who knows what could happen. That also could have led to a hit. But still, like, ugh, like... I'm sure that he's happy either way. He's probably not thinking about it. He's probably just like, I got a no-hitter. Like, fuck you guys. Um, but I mean, that has to go in the back of your mind a little bit, you know what I mean? Like just a little bit.
0: And it you know, it seems like with these no, uh, no-hitters when um it just every no-hitter it just seems like unless it's somebody like when Lucas Giolito did his and when Justin Verlander did it a couple years ago, we're like, eh, you know you were gonna, you're good you really good. You knew we were going to do that. Um, there's this fantastic story. So Carlos Rondón, quick little background. He was drafted in the first round, third overall, 2014. And he's just had such an injury-played career. He's had Tommy John. Um, he's had multiple, like, wrist injuries, shoulder injuries, everything he could have ended up. Last year with the White Sox, had a pretty terrible season. He pitched only seven innings, and he had an 8.2 ERA and um, this season, he was a free agent. He came back on a one-year, three million dollar deal because, um, in his postgame conference, he talked about how he's like, you know what? I love this organization. They stood by me for all these years, and I want to, I want to be here for them. And little do we know, he goes and throws no hitter. Man, it's quite special.
1: Yeah. Do we think this is going to be another season like, what was it, 2018, where like the season started off with like 20 no hitters in the first month? No, it won't be that. But still, I think that was just more of a joke because it's just so... like Two no-hitters in two weeks is pretty intense. Well,
0: it's it's interesting because when we talked about a few weeks ago... Um, I don't know if we actually did on the podcast. I could be wrong. But when they changed the ball and we're saying how, like, oh, this is going to be the year of the pitcher and all this other stuff. And then, lo and behold, the first two... In the first month alone, we have two no-hitters. Now, do you think this is something that it could be the ball or is it these teams that they're playing against cuz Cleveland has not been great and they yeah. look like they're going to be unfortunately like because of like Jose Ramirez and, and Jane Bieber just two complete studs like overall they're just not a great team. Like what do you think it is? I don't know because so Glenn was saying it on the broadcast today
1: um since the first two series that we've played awful the A's are just hitting the shit out of the ball and they have the second no they have the most home runs in the league and behind them was i th- i forgot who they brought up i want to say it was like the mets or something like that and um their numbers are comparable to the past couple of years so i don't i don't know i mean it's it's we know that they took a little bit of juice out of the balls so we know that whatever that means i don't i'm not a baseball engineer
0: dude. the agatha hark this week the yeah
1: i I don't think they're like sticking a needle in there and they're steroids but um uh i mean it's true um but the a's numbers since you know the first two series is just it's not really a good stat just off of their that team it's not really a good stat so i don't know i'd have to look more into it maybe do some baseball reference digging when i'm In my free time, but yeah, yeah, I don't know.
0: But um, either way, congrats to him. Such an amazing story. He's going to be in the record books. Um, And I think and this is going to be a great lead segue, the segue king over here, but it do. Mm. Uh, A great segue to our next topic, which is I think we've had some really great baseball over this first month. We had two no-hitters. You're seeing guys like uh, uh, Fernando Tati, Shohei Otani, really like the stars have really shown why their stars Mookie's making crazy ass plays in right in the outfield and because of that we have a pretty interesting article for you that's been all over the place that MLB TV viewership has actually and, and MLB TV and cable TV viewership from this start of the season has been insane compared to where they've been in the past uh, MLB has said that they're MLB.tv service has saw more than 1.3 million minutes of streams in the first three weekends alone. It is an 18% increase compared to the first 18 days of 2020, and it's a 43% increase compared to 2019. Um, And you got to think about it, you know, MLB moved out of Atlanta for the All-Star game and we had a lot of people saying, I'm banning baseball, we're not going to protest baseball, but guess what? baseball stronger than it's been in a hot minute man how awesome is this there's yeah. a lot of negatives we'll get to the negatives of this in a second
1: as massive baseball fans this is f- this is great because fucking rules you know, man it, it means that the the game is still going to be alive you know we're not going to lose a game which if you would asked me last eh, 2019 if you would ask me i w- i would have been worried because um viewership is just shot down unless there's like two interesting teams in the World Series. like the world series hasn't really done very well either um, but um but yeah I mean i i I have three TVs in my living room so like if there's day games on i they're on one of one or two of my TVs like while I'm working or listening to podcasts so like I, I I think that's the reason why my viewership is up but um I just think that it's just more accessible now so like for example for the longest time the only way for me to watch the A's um, would have been uh, to either like illegally stream it on like VIP box or something like that, or to buy MLB.TV. Well, MLB.TV, like MLB realized, like, hey, maybe we should like partner with like cell phone services and like give it away for free. I think that's helped a lot. Um, I think making the streaming available, I, even though I know it's only in your local area, but on like the local, on like the, the company app, like for example, in the Bay Area. On the NBC Sports app, if you are in the Bay Area, you can watch the A's on your phone. So I could like be sitting on BART and watch my phone. I could be, I don't know, I could have a household of, of five TVs and maybe I only have cable on my main one, and but I can stream on another one. So I think that things like, little things like that help. Um, but that wasn't until like two years ago. Like NBC Sports didn't start doing that until like two years ago.
0: I could be waiting a line to get on Medusa at Marine World. And I can be watching the A's play. Just well, to no, you can't, because
1: out of market, you can't do that, which actually is a great segue into the reasons why oh, no, no, there's oh, no, no issues with it.
0: Oh, hold on. Before we get there, though, no, Marine World, Medusa, Vallejo, and Market. Oh, Marine World. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, but I think another thing that is fantastic with baseball right now is... I mean it, Discovery it, Kingdom? Just oh. <sighs> nope. <laughs> We're not getting there. Um, but I think a fantastic thing about baseball right now is it it's starting to get to the level when you know we're both huge basketball fans and i think something that's been great about the nba recently is every team has a star or a superstar it feels like almost every single team has a star or a superstar where it's like cool uh uh great i guess i'll watch the thunder and the Spurs, or something. While well, Jontae Murray has been a freaking stud throughout this year, and Shea gildas yeah. Alexander's one of the best, one of the best young point guards coming up in the league. So like, hey, I'm just gonna watch that matchup. And now in baseball, it seems like almost every single team has some guy where you're like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm down to watch a Giants game just to watch Mike Isdzentsky because this guy's you know kind of came out of nowhere and he's really living up to the mantle of his name. Um, yeah, the Rangers are terrible, but. Shit, I'll tune in when Joey Gallo's pitching just so I can see if he could potentially or hitting so I can hitting. demolish a ball kind of thing. And yeah, yeah. baseball starting to become um, and, and another big thing too is like baseball so is starting to get diverse again. Um, mm-hmm. We have so many players. Some that's the biggest thing to me, dude, is the diversity. Yeah, think about who are probably the th- some of the most popular players in the league right now. You got like Rondó Um, You got. Fernando Tatis Jr. Fernando Tatis. Uh, Otani. Tim Anderson,
1: which is Tim like Anderson. the demographic that they don't do well with. And he relates with them so well. Like, yeah, he, he you know, just everything about him, the flair, just like he just relates with that audience so well.
0: Oh, you got Otani. You got it. it, it it's like and Mookie. It's like there's so many different guys now where it's. Not just and like they're so relatable now. And I think a lot of it has yeah. to do with like people's social media and whoever's working on their social media teams. And yeah. it, it's been a lot of fun where it's like dude, I like some of my favorite players aren't on the A's. I am a huge Altani fan. I think it's awesome. We talked, we were texting the other day about Tim Anderson, how he's just like, even though he's got his random beef with Oakland because he got knocked out of the playoffs last year, the dude's got so much swag. All he does is hit. He's just such a fun personality. And of course, Acuna and Tatis are just like it, These it's kids also just are going like, nuts.
1: It's also just like the wit and like the funny like like moments how they're willing to engage with with um, fans. Like for example, I think Bryce Harper getting yelled at by that by that kid at the game. <laughs> I think that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And like the kid posted that thinking like I totally got this guy. But if you listen to what Bryce Harper said, it's just Acuna. like oh my god, Bryce Bryce just fucking nailed him. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it on Twitter, there's this kid who's um. He's at a uh, Braves-Phillies game, and uh, and he's just, like, trolling Bryce Harper. He's, like, a couple rows back from the dugout, and he's just yelling, You'll never be as good as Acuna! You'll never be as good as Acuna! No, no! And then Bryce turns around and goes, Acuna! Acu- it's it's pronounced Acuna! Like, he keeps saying it, and he does it with his hand, like, he puts his hand up and, like, tries to, like, you know, wave it like he's a... Con- conductor or something like Acuna. No, no, no. Say it with me, Acuna. And the kid's just like yelling over and just like. Eventually, Bryce is just like, "Oh, this kid." and he just like gives and, up. Yeah, it's, and it's hilarious.
0: It kind of lays in part that we're starting to see a like how how one how troll baseball players are, but like how dorky baseball players are. You played baseball your yeah. whole life. I you know. I yeah. a lot of my closest friends played baseball. And let me tell you, every baseball player I know is just the biggest fucking <clears throat> dork you've ever met. Case proven. When Freddie Freeman was... Oh, no. When uh, Anthony Rizzo was chasing after Freddie Freeman the other night, the pick's like, Frederick! 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 <laughs> Dude, I was
1: dying. That was one of the greatest mic'd ups that I've seen. I'm so Frederick. glad I might him up on that. Yeah, yeah. And then And,
0: then Fred, John and Boy, Freddie and Freeman.
1: Like, yeah. Did you see that Freddie Freeman literally like stopped his run midway because he was laughing so hard?
0: Frederick! <laughs> and, uh, of course, all this awesome stuff that John Boy is doing. And yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah it, as people who we know how much we love baseball... We really, when we meet people who t- love baseball and we talk about it, it's just a whole nother breed. And it feels like there's no other sport that can really lead up to it. But God damn it, there's still so many things they're screwing up, Chris. It's just
1: like the, like, it's the, pretty much the thing that I lightly mentioned. And we can't go too long on so We've already gotten long enough on this subject. But I just, I, you know, I just want to say, like, the, the, I don't know what, like, uh, so there was a Twitter post about there's a guy who's in, I think he's in like Orange County and he's trying to watch. Um, the Dodgers and the Padres game. But technically, he's in both those markets, so he can't watch it. So he's like, okay, you know what? And he's on MLB.TV. Let me go watch the Angels game. The Angels were playing, like, the Astros or something like that. And he can't watch that game. So he's in three markets, and he can't watch all three of the teams that he wants to watch in that area on MLB.TV. Like, so you have to buy cable in order to watch your team. That's so stupid. And it's not an MLB.TV issue. It's an MLB in, like... They're like CBA issue. They need to solve that this coming season. Cause like, I live in LA. I love watching the Dodgers, especially at night. Like when the A's play, like they're on the East Coast. They're playing a four o'clock game. I want to watch the Dodgers at seven. And the Dodgers Padres series is coming up this weekend. I want to watch that shit. But I fu- I can only watch it if it's on national TV. It dr- or on ESPN or something like that. It drives me insane. Like I can't watch the game tonight because it's I'm blacked out. It just and it. It's just fucking stupid. Like, if you want to grow your audience, don't, like, restrict people and force them to buy these packages. Because if you know anything about millennials, we're trying to save every dime and penny that we can because we have student loans to pay for. Like, we're not going to pay for stupid shit that we don't need. We're not going to pay for a cable service that we're going to watch for only, like, three months out of the year. It's completely, like, know your know your audience. It's like, it's boomers again. It's boomers again not knowing the audience. It drives me insane.
2: Goddamn That's boomers. My rant.
1: That's my rant, brought to you by Chris, Chris Martinez of State Farm. Uh, <laughs> if you need insurance, hit up Chris Martinez from State Farm. Anymore. Hey, boomers,
0: you need life insurance. <laughs> but, okay, I got, I got one to top you for the Anaheim fan, right? The poor dude couldn't watch three games. This is a post that was – this is a Reddit post from three years ago. I just Googled it. There is a guy in Iowa, and I don't think this has changed. He lives in Des Moines, Iowa. When the okay. like the capital, I, I don't know Iowa. Stuff. So, anyways, he lives in Des Moines.
1: Great. Yes, that's all you really need to know yes. or care about. Ohio- Iowa.
0: He cannot. He was blocked out from watching Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers, Twins, Royals, and White Sox games. Six that's teams he can't watch. Fucking, that is absurd. And it's all it's, uh, it's all absurd. because of cable deals. And you know, I know. You know, sorry, sorry, Jessica. I know we have our differences with with Rachel Luba with her opinions with some stuff and how she manages her things, but she's been a very vocal person about like, yo, these blackout restrictions are bullshit, and you're not you're losing fans because of it. So it's like, hey, hey, you see how numbers? You know how see how nice these numbers are for you guys? See how many people are watching? Guess what? These numbers will go even more if you get rid of these restrictions. Because think about all the people who are watching this because they're using setting up VPNs or they're going on, um, you know, uh, bootleg sites to watch these games. And this outcome of CBA, like this should be or not the CBA, but you know what I mean. This should be a this should be a big conversation starter.
1: And 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 like they should they can do it. Like I mean, like look at I mean the NBA has their blackout rules too. But look at what the NBA is doing. Like. Like their NBA League Pass app is fucking awesome, and you can have different levels of subscriptions. Like I can buy it for just one team if I want to just buy it for one team, or I can buy the whole thing and I can stream it on two devices so I can share it with my friend, which is what I do with for mine. Like, but why can't we do that with MLB TV? But either? it's like, st- I, it, but
0: I, it still blocks out local games. I know, but I'm just. That's the whole. Still, that, yeah, but that's the whole purpose of this conversation. You're saying you can't watch. Like, yeah. I still can't watch Laker games on MLB and the or world, NBA.
1: The world is transitioning to streaming. Like, look at what the deal that ESPN just signed with. Um, ESPN and Disney just signed with the NFL, uh, and and with Amazon. A big reason why they did that was because they saw that majority of their audience now is coming from streaming. So we need to capture that audience in some way. Anyway, we need to move on, Julio. We've been yes, we can go on all day.
0: Just figure this shit out. But the last thing we want to talk about is we have somebody who is off to a freaking historic start in baseball and he might fly under the radar because um, he plays in Milwaukee and this is Mr. Corbin they beat the Padres today they did beat the Padres. Bot- oh so they oh shit damn mm-hmm. Brewers and uh, we talked about this guy a lot in our when we did our central preview with Ronnie uh Corbin burns is off to an insane start and he's something that if he's somebody where whenever he's starting, um, for you, those of you who have MLB TV, he is a must-watch every time he's out there. He has a .37 ERA. He has 40 strikeouts. But here's the craziest thing: he has no walks. He zero. Zero walks. Zero. That is, is fucking is wild. The first pitcher in modern era to have 40 strikeouts and no ERAs in any four-start span.
1: And no, no walks. Sorry. You and no walks. ERA, yeah, I'm sorry. But, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, dude. And I remember, so I brought him up when we were talking about the Central with Ronnie. And I thought it was you. And I said, like, I really like him. I think that he's a lot better. um, The reason why I ranked their rotation higher on my list than you guys was because I really like him um, as, like, their number two or three starter. And I thought it was you who agreed with me, but maybe it was Ronnie who, who liked him as well. But... He's kind of, like, sat in between the starter and reliever role the past two years, but last year he did pretty well at the end of the season as a starter, and he, like, has definitely taken on the role. He's good. I like this dude a lot.
0: actually had, um, I'm pulling up the receipts, actually had Milwaukee's rotation as the second best in the Central, so yeah, sorry, Ronnie, I don't mean to call you out don't like that, but yeah, he's been <laughs> he's been lights out. Um, I think a big thing has been it's crazy, see, I think there was, like, a 2019, he had like an eight something ERA in the season last year. Was starting to tell a difference, and um, the big thing has been like his cutter has actually been coming into play a lot, and it's it's crazy because now he's up, he's in this upper echelon at least in starts right now. Let's see what's going on with like Garrett Cole's been fantastic to start the excuse me start the season. Um, Jacob Degrom obviously Jacob Gram, which means I have a great analogy. I'm going to bring it up in a second with Jacob Gram. But, um, and then Shane Bieber, of course. And it's just showing you like Mm. the Brewers are looking like a really legit team right now. Um, Christian Yelich has been on the IL, but it hasn't really mattered because they've taken so far two out of three from the Padres in this series. And, uh, Chris, all I'm trying to say is I, it's April, there's plenty of time, not going to let you with me. But, I think they're they are who we thought they were. They're in first place by a game and a half. They're in the first place by a game and a half. Um they have a 24 run plus 24 run differential, second only to the Dodgers who are plus 38 cuz they're ridiculous. Um like this is a team that if you get in a 5 game series with them, a 7 game series with them, you don't you don't want to see these guys. I'm uh, I'm trying to
1: pull up the Cardinals' um, last few games because I think that they dropped a few to the Nationals. They did. Yeah, they just lost two out of three to the Nationals. Um, they're all over the place, and then they did not do well against the Brewers. Yeah, I mean, like, the Cardinals are the only real threat that I see. I know you really like the Reds, but... Um, and the Cubs have been up and down. I don't know. Yeah, I think the they Cubs could suck. Domi- I think they could dominate um, the rest of the season, uh, that division for the rest of the season.
0: Now, before we jump into today's news, my analogy, I was thinking about this earlier. Um, Jacob DeGrom is historically one of the probably one It's going to be one of the best pitchers of our generation. Historically, he's been on some pretty mediocre Mets teams. He doesn't have a big win loss record. He pitches his ass off and he still gets a loss, right? Mm-hmm. Is that not Steph Curry this season?
1: <laughs> not the last few games. I mean today, but not the last few games. Yes, no. I mean you're you're right. He needs. I mean yeah, that's that's a good comparison.
0: You we know, Oh oh oh, dude. Hold on. Let me look out there real quick. Think I'm seeing some killer waves, bro?
1: Oh my god.
0: Let's get this. Well, hold started. on. We
1: didn't mention Jay Bruce just retired. Oh yeah that happened congrats anyway, Jay. let's keep going three-time all-star good for you so uh julio i think this officially means that we're going streaking Wee! into the quad through the gymnasium we're going streaking Dude, there's there's more coming <laughs> <Wee>! <laughs> 11 game win streak ladies and gentlemen uh that's happened it was almost broken today but as we are going to talk about a little bit um with martin gallegos in the next section in the next uh, segment um, it did not happen, thanks to a whole lot of luck. But we have an 11-game win streak on our hands. We've completely turned around. We're in first place. We're not sharing first place. We're alone in first place now at at 12-7. and 7. Uh, What's our record compared to the rest of the American League?
0: We're second in the American League, only behind Boston, who I told you guys. But um, holy crap.
1: I just want to say one thing. Boston, um, you know, they're... Eight-game win streak, that's cute. But when you, you can talk to me Aww. when you get 11. You can talk to me when you get Aww. 11. Let's just say that.
0: We're so um, cocky right now. It's so stupid.
1: It's just, I mean, dude, like, they're pretty much bringing it all together. It's not just one through three that's saving us anymore. Everybody's more or less hitting timely. Uh, let's, let's just say that. I wouldn't say everybody's hitting, but everybody's hitting timely. One through three is still killing it. Um, actually, Ramon's in another classic <laughs> Ramon slump, which is a little frustrating, um, but he gets big moments when he needs them. Uh, Lowry is one of the best hitters in the league right now. Uh, Mark can is still doing his thing. He's leads the American league in, in run scored. I think Acuna because Acuna's on, like an Acuna tear right now, um, has like two more runs scored than him. Um, uh, Matt Olson. I mean, we're going to talk about him. Um, just
0: wow. Um, actually let's talk about him now. Um, yeah. So I got some stats for you real quick over his last seven games. Matt Olsen. Stat attack. Oh, I like that. Over the last seven games, he's batting 423. 423, five home runs, nine RBIs, three walks. And don't forget the other night, he had that grand salami just right off the pole. Um, He had a pretty slow start to the season, I think just like everybody else on the team did. But holy crap, if this guy is going to be playing like this, uh, dude, this is... This is he's he could be, legitimate MVP if the, he's gonna keep up like like this, and this if is the th- he keeps
1: it going in the conversation. For yeah, sure.
0: because here's the thing, um, we've known how good he is. I think last mm-hmm. year was a massive oddity. He's come out and said it multiple times where he's just like, I sucked last year. I worked on a swing, um, but dude, when the guy's healthy, he's gonna be hitting forty plus home runs. He's gonna be hitting yeah two sixty two seventy something, and he's gonna play some stellar defense, and that's what he's doing and because and he's starting to seem we've talked so much about matt chapman and how important matt chapman is because obviously matt chapman is matt chapman and i'm just gonna keep saying matt chapman but it's starting to show like this is the guy who might have been the real cog in all of this that when he is rolling he is the reason they are going to be where they have been the last couple years well,
1: Matt Olson was our number one prospect for, like, three years. Like, Matt Chapman was in, like, the top five, but he was never quite that. And he came on in the scene um, once they um, got rid of... Trevor Plouffe. Uh, Danny... Was it Trevor Pluth? Yeah. Okay, maybe Trevor Pluth. I thought it was Danny Valencia, but... I both. I think it was think
2: both. Ploof.
1: And he just came out hot. And then his defense obviously took over, and the guy just looks like a star. He... Excuse me. Looks like a star... He plays defense like a star, and he has timely hitting, a lot of clutch moments like a star does. So I think that's why we latch onto him. But he is very streaky, as we all know, as Ace fans. Where Matt Olson, the talent has always been there. He's 6'6", 240 of just, like, solid muscle. Um, obviously a great glove, lots of reach. Um, and he has a good eye when you need him to. Like, in, if you watch in his good seasons, he's hitting, like, 270 or 280 or something like that but he gets hurt and that's what kind of like plagues him or and like 2019 I think was the year like probably his best year um he was hitting really well and his average isn't just isn't as good because uh injury plagued him in the middle of the season but then the second half once he was finally healthy again it really like he really turned it on and kind of like saved that average I think it was like 268 or something like that um but the guy is legit and he's not our best player I'm not ready to say that it's still Matt Chapman. I think. Matt Chapman is very important in this team, but I do think I kind of see them as a unit as the mats are really important in this team. Oh, yeah, I told of course. you this and I think I, I think I said this on the pod. Um, all we need is one mat to play well and it brings everything together. As long as one mat is hot, then the rest of our lineup just kind of like comes together. Um, so yeah, if both are hot, then we're like fucking the best team in American league.
0: Yeah. And that's what makes them so special is that, you know, we we're, when we we're going to talk about with Martin. but you know, Matt Chapman hasn't been hitting, but just because he's not hitting doesn't mean he's not good. The guy's still yeah. playing platinum glove defense. He's become his, he's coming to his own when it comes to being a little more aggressive on the bases, like the rest of this team has. And that just has a whole nother dimension to him. Right. Mm-hmm. But with like Matt Olson, I think the biggest improvement he talked about and how he's changed the mechanics when it comes to where he was placing his hands on this bat, kind of Fixing up fixing up his swing a little bit um he, he looks like he's not just and this was a big problem for not just him but for the team over the last couple years he he's not just aiming for the fences anymore yeah he's become okay with just getting those singles being able to to you know beat out the shift and just hit it over the left field today today he could have gone four for five but byron bucks and laid out a freaking web gem out there in center that he had no business catching, but, you know, Byron Buxton's a gold glove center fielder out there. Um, But he's really just coming into his own. He's not just a power hitter anymore. He's become an all around hitter. And uh, I just want to say kudos to you. We're going to talk a little bit more about our essential tools if we get there, but you kind of were like, took the cop out. I was like, Oh, I'm taking a four hole hitter. So We'll get there to that. But, yeah, yeah Matt.
1: worked. The offense blew up. Just saying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Matt has been freaking excellent. Um, more A's news. Shout out to our dude, Bowmel. He has set the Oakland A's. Not the athletics record because he's never going to catch Connie Mack, unfortunately. Uh, you know, we never, we never know. But um, he has set the Oakland athletics record for the most games managed in the, franch- in the Oakland A's franchise history. Passing Tony La Russa. Um, say what you want about where the team's success has been. We we all know, obviously. But I would we wouldn't be a continuous contender throughout these years, this budget, without him. And I know we are both big, huge fans of him. We love Bowmail and just the demeanor of beings with this team. And I think just seeing what has happened this season so far, where we were at such a the team was at horrible start and i think any other manager would have not been able to get out of it and they would have been fired by now but it's somebody special like him who really plugs out of it and to have him set that record i think we just gotta give him a kudos
1: yeah for sure i mean he was gonna break it this season no matter what but it's i'm glad that he has it and not someone else (laughs) like i'm glad that it's him i'm glad that it that that because realistically, I mean, I I think he probably needs to win a Winter World Series. Knock on wood, if you're with me. Um, but I think if he manages his team for five more years, he could go down as the best days manager of all time. Because it's, it's between him or, or, I guess, Charlie Finley. No, it's,
2: it'd
1: not. be him, Larissa not Charlie Finley. um It'd be him, Lewis, or... You think it'd be him... Or, you, well, I guess he was. Oh, so if, okay. Finley, Finley was had a really short stint. In the seventies. Charlie. So won those Charlie, three, no, Charlie, dude, Charlie Finley was the owner. Or sorry, not Charlie Finley. You're thinking of Dick uh, Williams? Yeah, Dick Williams. He was. He was. He had a really short stint with 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 the A's. Like he was only there for two of the championships. But I know he was really you know praised back in the day. But that team was just so stacked.
0: Okay, um, if, if we're gonna go athletics history, it's it's Connie Mack. And Connie it's not Mack, but I'm talking but that, about Oakland A's history. Yeah. it's. Yeah. I, I think it. I think it's him. Um, especially if you look at what Tony La Russa, the players Tony La Russa had at that time where yeah. you had the Juice. greatest leadoff, that well, yeah, too, uh, the greatest leadoff hitter of ever in Ricky. You had mm-hmm. the arguably, uh, before Mark Hanna, just kidding. Yeah.
1: That was a joke. Ace fans.
0: <laughs> uh, the second greatest closer of all time. With yeah. And then of course are the bash bros and can I just, that's just named four guys, but like, there's so many guys in that lineup with like, stew and and like bob Walsh, you know so many guys he had so much talent that of course he should have been great whereas with yeah. the a's um if you look at if you i was thinking about this earlier just because we we saw josh donaldson play and we kind of have some member bears from him if you look at where those guys what they turned into after they were traded like josh donaldson became an mvp and then cespedes you know went on to be like a, a mets hero but for most of those part, a lot of those guys just kind of floundered, and it just shows you like this guy's so good at getting the best out of what he has, man. I've been telling Giants fans this for
1: sh- for years when they talk shit and they're like, "Oh, this trade, terrible trade. Why would you do that? Classic A's." And I'm just like, dude, just go look at their track records. There's a reason to the madness. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, and and uh, the turnaround I think is the big thing. He's had to deal with so much turnaround, which Tony Larusa didn't. He was out the second those guys were gone. Um, but we'll. Just mention the last thing, and then we'll um, take the break and go to the next segment. Starters are playing. Well, actually, this was a, a topic, but it wasn't after today because the, uh, the starter didn't really do very well. But the starters are playing a lot, a lot better. Thanks a lot, Yeah, Frankie. He was playing so – he was fucking pitching so well. This is classic Frankie. He does, like, two amazing starts where you're just like, that guy's going to win a Cy Young one day, and then he just fucking chokes on one. It just drives me crazy. Anyway, starters were playing better. It seemed to have turned it around. We're going to talk about Manaya in this next segment with Martine, um, and
0: uh, Lazardo had a great start last night. Lazardo had a great um, start Cole as well. Cole Irvin
1: threw a shutout, six inning shutout, and it looks like Mike Fires is right around the corner, which is great. So, anyway, let's go to the break, Julio. Let's go talk to Martine Gallegos. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with MLB.com's Martine Gallegos. Um, so we, to the, the, day is, uh, Wednesday, April 21st. Uh, we record this at 8 PM. Um, we have a special guest this week. Martin Gallegos is joining us. A's beat writer for, um, MLB.com. We're just, we, we are trying to wrap our heads around the game that we just watched, uh, for the listeners. <laughs> he came in the zoom room and we instantly just started talking about it. So we figured maybe we should start the pod and open with that. Um, Martin, you were there today. So, what was it like being in the building?
2: And I mean, it was nuts. I mean, it was. I mean, kind of one of those classic, you know, A's games, late inning magic at the Coliseum. I, I call it. You know, they always, especially here in Oakland, find a way to pull these kinds of wins off. They always have a few each year, and I mean, they've had a walk up, walk off win with an error two times now in the last four days. So, um, that that magic is alive and well. And it was. I mean, it was nuts. It was crazy to watch. I mean, just the back and forth from start to finish you know the momentum shifts that went on um you know Matt Olson had a monster day and that's kind of in the on the back burner based on what happened in those late innings but um just more you know the pitching maybe not so much but uh, as far as hitting and defense another pretty well played game by the A's and just they find a way to win and that that's obviously been the case here the last uh, week or so
1: when you say pull these kinds of wins off you mean pull just a horseshoe out of their ass just <laughs> almost the just the luckiest what was that? The 10th inning, luckiest 10th inning I've ever seen in my life. Just two errors back to back. Like, oh, my God.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, no hits, no hits in that inning. Yet they yet they end up overcoming a two run deficit. I just I have to <laughs> three think, runs, I don't, no earned. I don't That's remember so the last weird. time I've ever seen something like that. If ever, it's, it's nuts.
0: Yeah. There's like like there's always some weird baseball history stat. Like they're like if somebody can somehow find that, like this has happened before, like it feels like it hasn't. Right um yeah. but there's actually before we jump into there's another thing i wanted to bring up you tweeted earlier today and it, it was weird because simultaneously like family members and friends were texting me about it too and it's like sergio romo um you your tweet just to kind of say it was like you know it's been a rough start 12.79 era and seven appearances and it's just like <sighs> and, and we're all like kind of worried right now I'm like what what next man like what's gonna
2: happen yeah it's tough man um you know, it, it hasn't been. It hasn't been pretty. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, you know, it seems like every game he comes in, and even the even the outings where he hasn't given up a run, it's been you know walking a tightrope for him. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I know the A's. You know, especially with the vets, vets like Romo who have been established, they're going to give him you know every chance in the world to try to turn it around. Um, so I don't I don't know if he gets like cut the next day, but um, maybe we start seeing him not so uh, leaned on in the late in, in the in the you know high leverage situations. Maybe you kind of see him come in. You know, maybe more, uh, you know, they're losing by a few runs or, or winning by a comfortable lead and kind of maybe try to get his confidence back up. Because I know Bob Melvin loves him. And I know he's a, a popular guy in the clubhouse. His personality's you know, great. Um, but, you know, the, the, it's all about results at the end of the day. And right now it's, it's looking pretty bad. I mean, another way to put it is, you know, his velocity. He's never been a high velocity guy, but he's getting hit around pretty hard. And that, that slider doesn't seem to be really fooling guys as much as it normally does, at least this point in the season.
1: Uh, speaking of Twitter, just real quick. Again, you can follow Martin at, at Martine J. Gallegos on Twitter. Again, A's beat reporter for MLB.com. dot um, Yeah, yeah. That what a. I just. Do you think? Do you think he's done? Do you think he's washed?
2: I don't know. You know, I think. Uh, you know, what, from what I saw in spring training, he actually looked pretty good. And yeah, right. I, yeah, car, right. Carl Petit was the guy who I was kind of worried about um, because he was getting hit around. But I know, I mean, spring training, especially for those guys, don't mean a whole lot. But based on what I saw, I thought if there was someone, one of those two that was going to kind of fall off, it might have been Petit. But Petit's coming out looking like he always does. And Romo's kind of been getting hit around here. So, um, you know, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he's done. He is pretty up there in age. Um, you know, maybe maybe just a, like a, a lesser role for him just to kind of, you know, get things going again, I think at this point can can kind of help him at this point in his career.
0: I was going to say, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit, like speaking of like the vets who've kind of plugged in the bullpen the last couple of years. I could be wrong, but I remember Soria kind of getting off to us as kind of a rough start when he came to the organization. You know, when Fernando Rodney was here for his little nice coffee break he had, there was kind of some nasty outings. But, like, at the end of the day, like, those guys end up settling into those roles. Um, But I think, yeah, I think think, from a fan perspective, you know, I think we're all cheering for him. We love everything he does for organization, how much fun he is. His walk-up song. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, so we got th-
1: we got three Mexicans in this in this uh the Zoom chat. Wait, you're Mexican, right, Martin? Yeah, yeah. yeah. we got three Mexicans in the Zoom chat, so we just we appreciate the shit out of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's let's kind of like uh, hit it off with some like general questions. So as you as we told you before, we uh we started the, the interview. Uh, we're wearing our Hawaiian shirts today in honor of Sean Manaya and his dominance uh, since his rough first start. Um, after a rough, like kind of start of the season, what do you think the main factors are like how he's just able to turn around and turn around like dramatic 180 turn around?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, he's just kind of evolved as a pitcher. I mean, you know, he obviously when he first came up was high, a little bit more higher velocity and went through those down years the last few years where his velocity was pretty low. I mean, it was, you know, barely touching 90. And over that time he, he improved his control a lot um, and he became, you know, really well, uh, at, a you know, controlling his fastball and, and his secondary pitches. And now that he's come back, you know, in spring training, we saw his, his velocity tick up a little bit. It was around 93. I think this year it's around like 91, 92, which isn't a whole lot, but it's still enough to, you know, make a difference. And so now you got the best of both worlds kind of. And I think that's just what's happened with him. I mean, he had the one rough start to begin the season, but I mean, the whole team was going through a rut at that point. So, I mean, I don't really put too much stock into that, but these last few times he's gone out, I mean, he's looked really good. And, uh, I mean, he's kind of pitching the way the A's, what they want out of him, just a guy in the middle of the rotation who can go out there and give you like a quality start every time, um, you know, go six, seven innings to kind of help out your bullpen, not get taxed too much, a reliable guy every fifth day. And that's what I think shamaniah um, at his best can really be, you know, maybe not, a, maybe not a number one type guy like everyone thought at one point, but a mid rotation, maybe number two guy who is very solid and you know what you're going to get every time out. That's what he seems to be developing into.
1: I uh, I pointed out a stat yesterday to Julio because he talked about his control in the post game interview, and so yesterday his stats were of his ninety I think it was ninety six pitches he threw, or maybe it was ninety two I think it was ninety two pitches he threw sixty strikes and twenty two balls like that's like Bartolo Colon type of like strikes to walks. Bartolo the God. That's insane. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No. It's 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 been it's been uh to just to watch him develop has been cool um you know over the last few years just to see um how he's been able to kind of deal with it all because usually you know a guy starts to lose velocity they kind of freak out and and could just flame out of the league but he's actually did something about it and you know it's a credit to you know the A's veteran pitchers that have been on the staff and and the coaches that have helped him along the way as well coming back from surgery i mean it was a tough road for him to come back from that surgery and uh you know, he's been able to flourish with it. And now it seems to be like he's in the new chapter of his career where he's just this reliable guy who is a veteran on this staff, even though he's still pretty young, who, you know, the younger guys actually look up to now. And, and he can actually give out some tips or if anyone's kind of looking for, for guidance or anything like that, he's a guy who who they actually come up to for, for that stuff.
0: And I just remember, uh, and I think one thing that might have been like a little tougher for him to start the season was like most of last season, Jonah Heim was his catcher for most of those starts. And especially, you know, when he was off to like a, an awesome ending in September. So I, I look you know, I could be wrong, but like, I can only imagine just having to work with somebody like, or Garcia and Sean Murphy, who you didn't really get too much experience with. And now he's starting to click it again. And especially early, that's the biggest thing was like seeing him pitch like this in April, where like, you know, even though he threw no hitter in April, but yeah. like, uh, just seeing him think this consistent this soon is like, Awesome. You'd just love to see it, man.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's, you know, they, they want their rotation to be a strength for them. And, and, you know, he's one of those guys who has to kind of be an anchor there and, and, and go, you know, as many innings as he can. He's kind of going to be a work, for, workhorse for them. You know, they've got a guy like Lizardo who hasn't pitched that much, you know, over a full season. Um, you know, other guys, you know, Frankie Montas still kind of been consistent, you know, throughout the season last year. I could really step up and be that guy who, who can kind of just be consistent and, and, eat up innings for the the whole year and and turn in quality outings as well.
0: Uh, So the next question is, you know, obviously they play at the Oakland Coliseum and Ricky Henderson field. And it looks like they're really taking on the name of Ricky Henderson field because all of a sudden they are still in like crazy. Uh, You know, we've seen Moneyball. We've all read Moneyball. And over the last 20 years, historically, this team has never been a base stealing team.
1: I pay you to get on first, not get thrown out at second. I think was the quote from. Buddy Boom! Obama. There you go.
0: <laughs> but yeah, what's co- like? What has changed this philosophy? They're leading the American League in steals, and all of a sudden, you know, I think was uh, game one yesterday, four steals in the ga- game alone. Like, what has changed that has allowed
2: these guys to kind of run wild? Yeah, you know, I think you know. In spring training, when we talked to Elvis Andrews, he kind of just basically said it, you know, I'm going to help these guys steal more bases. We're going to, he said, we're going to steal a lot more bases this year. And um, I think there's something about that. that's true. I mean, when when I, I remember when I tweeted that, a lot of people were like, you know, why doesn't, why don't they just go up to Ricky Henderson? He's there all the time. But I think it's different when you have an actual player, you know, in the games that can kind of give you tips on, on what, what they're seeing from a pitcher's movements or whatever. And I think that's certainly translated. So I don't, I don't know if that's just the only factor in that, but I think it's been certainly a huge factor having a guy like Andrews in there. I think he's got, he had like 305 steals under his belt coming into the year. So he uh, is a guy who knows, knows a thing or two about stealing bases and, and being smart about it. And that's the one thing I've noticed like with guys like Loriano, he's not just out there running wild, just, you know, taking off whenever he's, he's studying these guys, his pitchers on the mound, he's looking at their movements and he's, he's picking out the right times to steal and I think a lot of that has been just his picking of the brain from Andrews, and a lot of the other guys have been doing that as well. And Andrews, I think, stole a base today and then might've had one yesterday too. So he's kind of, you know, starting to pick it up there as well as he gets on base a little more. So, I mean, that, that's one of the things that I think, regardless of how Andrews performs at the plate this year, I think just his presence on the team has, has been such a big factor here in these, these first two weeks, just kind of keeping the team even keel. You know, he's a he's kind of a fun guy in the clubhouse and I mean, I kind of mentioned him when he came. he's kind of was like the Marcus Simeon of the Rangers in a way, just his presence and his leadership that he brought to that team. So even though they lost the leadership, a lot of it, and Simeon and a lot of stuff off the field with them, they gained some of that back with Andrus this year, it seems like. And um, defensively, he's been pretty good. He's been durable playing every game. So, I mean, they, they've got a nice you know, clubhouse veteran guy who has been through it before. He's been to the World Series before. So, I mean, that was a pretty good pickup for them. And I think he's had a lot to do with that uh, stolen base uptick this year.
1: Well and Julio talked a lot about that, like how the veteran it seems like the guys they went out and got this offseason were veterans with experience who have been there. Mitch Moreland, been to a won a World Series, like all all those kind of guys.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Romo. I mean, all those guys, they all brought in guys who have been there. And you know, even Rosenthal, which we'll see if he comes back at some point this year, at some point maybe second half. He's a guy who's been through it as well. So and Mm they still targeted guys who who know what it takes to make you know these deep playoff runs and know what it's like to go through you know, struggles throughout a season. They've, they've been through it all.
1: Well, then do you think that Billy Bean is like sitting in his office or doing lifting weights in the weight room during the game and he's like throwing a weight against the wall when he sees someone steal a base? Or do you think that they brought Elvis in here to be like, all right, you know what, we're going to start fucking stealing bases. Like this is – we're changing. Like we're, this isn't
2: 2002 anymore. I, I think they just – you know, they look at the skill set and they've got guys who can run. And so I think that yeah. – you know why not use this you know if we have this in our back pocket i think maybe in, in you know previous years they've had some guys who can steal bases i know coco chris not that long ago led, led the league in bases but um you know for the most part they haven't had a ton of guys for you know electric guys like Loriano, like like Andrews on the bases so i think the skill set has changed a little bit more as they've as they've gone to these other options on their team and um you know they're just going to utilize you know all the tools that they have why not why not you know
0: you know and it, it kind of bringing up that point of just like, yeah, you're having guys who aren't necessarily the fastest dudes or like somebody like Matt Chapman, who his bat's not there yet, but if he can get on base, like he's not afraid to steal. just adds a whole nother dimension to his game on top of the defense. And it's something that like, it's so much fun to see these guys. Like we've known Chappie has had speed. He's not the fastest dude in the world, but like if you, he can get it going when he needs to go, even though he's kind of got a goofy stride going to him.
2: <laughs> no, he, he flies around pretty quick. And when he when he senses he could get like a triple, he'll, he'll go all out. And his first to third is, is pretty fun to watch too. So he's athletic. And he's definitely, you know, I don't know what like the timing is on the speed, but he's got to be one of the more faster guys on the team for sure. When he gets it going, I mean, he's just so strong and, and such in shape, dude, that he just, um, you know, he's got that speed in him.
1: So uh, we do want to talk about the outfield because a dramatic change was made a couple days ago. Obviously, you know, the, you tweeted about it, the DFA of, of Kai Tom. Um, what does that say about the team? Does that like kind of more that the organization trusts the outfield depth that they have? Do they see something in Seth Brown? Do they think that Pinder's coming back? Like why, why, why make that move and what does it say about the outfield um, as a whole on the roster?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, they already had a lot of outfield depth before they got Tom. And, um, you know, obviously in spring training, uh they were looking at it they were hoping to look at a few guys um potentially for that fourth outfield spot but you know a couple guys got injured Luis Pereira got a late start um Tom you know kind of got a late start he ended up winning the job but I mean Seth Brown had a great spring as well and Seth Brown is a guy who I mean the A's love him and he's been in the organization for a while and all he's done is hit in the minor leagues and that one chance he really got an extended playing time a couple of years ago he played really well in uh, 19 so um, I think it was they were always going to look to get him a good shot this year. And, you know, with Tom, even though he didn't get a ton of playing time and, you know, it was against tough teams. I mean, uh, in these types of situations, when you're on a winning ball club that's focused on winning games, and not really rebuilding, you got to take advantage of the opportunities that you get. And he just, you know, unfortunately, wasn't able to do that. Um, you know, he was able to get his, his first big league hit out of the way, but um, he was kind of not really looking over match. He was making contact, just, you know, he wasn't really getting the hits to fall for him. So, you know, Seth Brown came up and obviously made an impact right away with his opportunity. So he kind of overtook him on the depth chart. And, you know, now you're looking at Seth Brown as kind of that main guy there for a while. And then Chad Pinder, once he comes back, is another guy in that mix. So they're still going to have kind of a a large depth there that they're going to make a decision on at some point here. And then the guys in the minors, guys like uh, Greg Dykeman, uh, Luis Barrera, they've got so many guys that are close to major league ready down there as well that I think they lose. If they, they looked at it probably as if, you know, we lose one guy here, um, it's not going to make a huge difference. And obviously they needed some depth with uh, Machine up as a utility guy in the infield. They didn't really have a guy who could back up Chapman or Andrews, so he provides that for the time being. And, you know, Tom was just kind of stuck in a roster crunch, so he was the guy to go. But, I mean, the, as far as the outfield, they've got so much depth built up that, I mean, they could withstand a couple guys, you know, if they had to, you know, replace some guys for a period of time, I think they'd be pretty pretty okay in that position. Definitely and i have one thing too just to like kind of
0: thinking about like his future is he probably has like one of the better situations where he could have landed in pittsburgh where yeah you know they're they're gonna be a
2: hot mess yeah.
0: pretty much all they got is yeah no yeah, better no, word to
2: say it was, yeah no i was talking to the pittsburgh uh our pittsburgh writer and yeah he was saying center field for them is just a, a complete disaster so he should get time out there which is good for him because I think he could be a. I think he could be a really good player. He really does just need a chance, I think, because um, he's hit everywhere in the minors and uh, he's still a pretty young guy. I know the A's really loved what they saw from him in spring training, um, and I, I thought he would get more of a shot here early on. But you know, things always happen, and you know they they needed they needed uh, you know guys to come up in other areas and contribute. He kind of fell fell to the bottom of the depth chart a little bit, so it didn't work out here. But I mean, he's going to get his chance, and we'll see if he can perform in Pittsburgh. It's a good shot for him, like you said.
1: Uh, all right, we're gonna we're gonna loosen it up a little bit um, before we let you go. Um, did you? Sorry, ask yeah, uh, a more no, serious I'll, question. No, no. <laughs> well, I
0: was just checking out uh, the Pirates depth chart real quick, and yeah, he's easy could be there. But did you guys know Trevor Cahill's on the Pirates? <laughs> I did not know that. I, yeah, that I, is an interesting. Good for him, man. After all these years, he's still out there.
2: Bless and Cahill, they're building up the A's old old uh, old players over there. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: Um all right, so we'll get a few fun questions and uh then uh we'll let you go appreciate the time um so you grew up in San Jose right yes honest okay, okay um, do you have any like fun memories that stand out from the Coliseum like going as a kid or as a teenager or in college or whatever?
2: yeah, I mean, the one that I always remember is going to the to the uh final game of the season, Josh Hamilton dropping the ball that was that was uh epic. you were there. I was there and I think it was. I was this close to buying
1: tickets the day, the morning of,
2: and me and my buddy in college were going to drive from Sacramento and go, but we ended up not going. We had bought tickets like a couple weeks ahead of time because they were, that was back when like they had like the BART deal where like you buy the ticket, $2
1: Tuesdays or Wednesdays or whatever. We
2: got the tickets for way cheap. A bunch of us went and we, knowing nothing about what was going to happen that day, we didn't know the the division was going to be on the line. And sure enough, it was crazy. That That was probably. One of the loudest moments i ever remember ever going to see at a baseball game when josh hamilton dropped that ball and then finishing off that win that was incredible um but yeah i remember just going a lot as a kid too just i mean i remember like all of them i remember going to like the battle of the bays a lot sitting up in mount davis which was kind of scary sitting up there but uh a lot (laughs) of fun seeing all the people there going back and forth um i just remember a couple games like randomly like eric chavez hitting some walk-offs always something like late innings like today like something late inning crazy would happen when i would go it seemed like so that that was why i kind of always loved going to the coliseum because i knew it was going to be an exciting game for the most part and it was probably going to come down to the last couple innings and more times than not i feel like it always it always ended up happening that way so that was so you're telling me you're
1: the good luck late inning you're the late inning good luck charm so you need to go to more of these games and so and when we're in these situations we can get walk-offs and
2: shit yeah yeah it was it was fun though man it was you know, something about the Coliseum, I know it's, you know, terrible. I mean, we saw the lights there go out yesterday and a lot of bad stuff has been said about it, but it's it's been fun memories for me. Uh, you know, growing up, we got to go to both, you know, I went to Candlestick when the Giants were there, then I went to AT&T a lot and then I went to the Coliseum and something about the Coliseum was just always kind of, I don't know, it was cool to me just to see the atmosphere because it's not full usually, but the fans there are really passionate. So that was kind of what I always enjoyed about it. You know,
0: it's funny. So, Chris and I, we actually both live in LA. Um, he's on the west side of LA. I'm over in Glendale. So, like, I've, you know, we've been going to Dodger games, Angel games, Padre games for as long as we've both lived down here. But just still, like, nothing really matches, like, the Oakland crowd. Um, like, Angel Angel games are just, <laughs> yeah, Angel games are their own weird thing. Um, but, like, Dodger games, they definitely have that flow going. The Padres are now just getting it going again. But, like, Yeah, even – it's like I've always told people. Like, there could be 12,000 people at the Coliseum, and it'll feel like there's 25,000, 30,000 people there just because how electric every single game is. Like, that's just just the Oakland in them, right? The East Bay thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, and the Coliseum, I mean, you're not going there for anything else other than to watch baseball. I mean, there's no other distractions, which – I mean, all these new stadiums are are very nice, and and there are some cool things, features about it that intrigue you to want to go. But when you come to the Coliseum, you're coming to watch baseball. There's, like, nothing else you want to do. Just, you know, all the people – you know, setting out in the parking lot a couple of hours before and tailgating. That's one of the that's one of the things that I've noticed, you know, and cover and covering the league and then going to other s- stadiums. I don't really see like a tailgating scene like I see in the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. That's like football um, in a way with the A's. You know, they, they line up early and they're you know not this year because of COVID, but usually they're there pretty early and they're, uh, you know, barbecuing, drinking before the game. And I think that's what leads to kind of the, the cool atmosphere in there, even though it's not a lot of fans, they're all making noise. So like I've actually I've
1: actually looked out. that up Martina I think uh, it's like eighty percent of the ballparks don't even allow you to do it because it just mm-hmm. takes up space in their mm-hmm. very small parking lot
0: yeah and Dodger Stadium doesn't because of you know fights fights um and then even Angel Stadium I think they do, but they're pretty strict on what you can and can't do which again just kind of shows you how I feel about Angel Stadium but uh, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's like awesome. Like I haven't been able to go to a game at the Coliseum in three years. So I'm like, I can't wait to go back. Um, but our next question, Martin, you have the special ability where no matter how quickly it is, you can get the players walk up song within a heartbeat. Like we've seen multiple other A's beat writers tweet about it. So when did you know you had this gift, man, of you, the gift of a song? You just have Shazam open
2: on your phone and all yeah, like while you're there, like that, no, man. I'm like, God damn, he's no, fast. No, 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 no. I, I I will admit there have been a couple times where I've used Shazam, but for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, I do know the song. It's just you know I grew up you know uh in a music household. I mean, my mom always played music. You know, she always played Spanish music. My dad played a lot of old school stuff, whether it was rock or R&B, hip hop. He was always playing stuff. So I kind of always just was gravitated towards music, and then as I got older. Um, you know, music was just it was sports and music for me. I would always be, you know, buying CDs or when it got to the MP3 stage, downloading music and all that. And um, even now to this day, I mean, you know, I make the commute to Oakland almost every day during the season and it's almost an hour sometimes going and coming back each. So that a lot of that time is taken up just listening to new music when I'm not listening to like a podcast or something. I'm just listening to music and what's out there, and you know, I'll be pretty pretty diverse in the selection i'm always been a you know big hip-hop head but i've kind of as i've gotten older you know kind of listened to everything you know whatever i can um and i enjoy a lot of it so a lot of times i just hear these this stuff it's a lot of you know i'm around these players age so we all kind of i guess listen to the same thing so i'm kind of able to get to it pick it up pretty quick you know it's always i know it's a pretty popular thing on twitter i've been Thinking of doing something more with it. I don't know if I should like start an Instagram page or something with uh, <laughs> walk-up songs and kind of feature that stuff. But uh, it's always fun to me. I love I love getting to know like why players choose songs or or whatnot. Or what what uh, you know if they're playing like one really popular song that's been out for a while recently. Kind of like to just get that out there. I know not a lot of fans are are interested in that stuff. I know they are, so uh, just keep doing it. I got an idea for you because uh, you
0: said you either drive you drive up, you're either listening to music or you listen to podcasts. I think you should create a mini podcast series called The Art of the Walk-Up, where you just you interview certain players and you talk about the importance of walk-up music, like for everybody. And like across, you know, across generations and all this stuff, because like it, it it's the tone setter, because I could tell, you know, growing up, going to Raider games, you know, as soon as you start hearing the opening bells of Hell's Bells, you're like, shit's going down. I'm like, that's it. Like you guys someone like you guys are gonna lose. It's probably gonna be the Raiders. But like you knew like, you know, you were there. And it's like when you hear celebration, man. Like it's you just feel so much joy and like I, I had, like it like last year during not being able to go to any games, literally after every game I'd we'd win, I'd play celebration. And then when Apple Music sent me like my top songs of the year, like celebration was my top song of the year. <laughs> but yeah. Stone out there, gonna that's a million dollar idea throwing out there for you. Take it if you like it. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna write that one down. I'm gonna see see what I can do with that. Uh so what what
1: are you listening to right now? What's what's on your Spotify playlist for your commutes?
2: Uh man, it's so random. So I got like some playlists that I've actually recently created. I've got one that's like reggaeton stuff if I'm in that mood. I got one that's like electric stuff, electronic EDM, which is yeah. a popular one when I'm like going to the gym or something, or or if I'm just like feeling that mood. I got some like bay area rap stuff i've been into a lot of bay area stuff recently um drake is always a big thing so i'm always like you know uh mixing that up shuffling that nipsey hustle was like one of my favorite rappers so been on him a lot recently um it's kind of all over the place man I don't, I don't ever stick to one thing for too long i always i kind of go through phases throughout the year yeah. it's just kind of random mm-hmm. you know, i'll wake up I'll wake up li- thinking of like a song and there's like, that'll be like the tone for the day. Like, I'll, okay. I want to listen to this type of music for this day.
1: Nice bro. Well, uh, I think that'll do it. Um, unless Julio, you got one more question.
2: All
0: right. We're going to, let's go around the room. Give me, everybody give me your favorite player walk-up songs. I'll give you a minute to think about. Cause there's a couple that only stood out to me.
1: Actually, no, I have mine. I okay.
0: Have mine. Uh, Josh Donaldson coming out to regulator.
2: Got you. That
0: that way, yeah. That was always a solid one for me. Always just get hyped and never hear him walk up to it. Uh, then of course, Sean Doolittle coming out to uh, for whom the bells tolls, Metallica, and everybody in right field doing the the like the head bop. But then yeah. uh, a non A one. I love going to Dodger Stadium when Adrian Gonzalez would come up to bat and they play mariachi Loco. and just the whole stadium just just starts jumping. <laughs> it's like the most fun atmosphere. Yeah. Do you have one, Martin? Do you want me to go?
2: I think uh, Chris Davis when he was coming up to Ballad of a Dead Soldier by Tupac, that was, that was bumping. Mm-hmm. I, remember, uh, I think that was the first year I started covering this team and I remember I was really paying attention to the walk-up songs then and then I heard that and I was like, oh man, this is, this is hard. So that, that was a good one. I remember Edwin Jackson came over and he started going, coming out to E40. Uh, I think it's called Boy. <laughs> that, that, that song got the Coliseum like bumping every time he pitched that year. That, that that was a great song. They still play it to this day here, even though he's gone. And I gotta
0: tell you, too, and, like, I'm sure you've probably been to road Stadiums, too, a lot of these places don't play good music, man. Like, like I keep saying Angel Stadium, and I'm sorry to, like, my Angel fans, or my, my Angel friends and stuff, but, like, you go to Angel Stadium, you're hearing, like, some Pretty whack music. Yeah. <laughs> so when you go to <laughs> Oakland and you hear some, you hear some E forty and all that, like you just feel like you're in such a better place, like it's such a good mood. And you hear some some
2: oldies too. Yeah, yeah. No, the Coliseum's always always got some some good selections, man. I gotta give credit to the DJ there. There, yeah, they come up with some good stuff.
1: Like um, last night, the randomly
2: out the, it, light yeah, the lights out, killer. <laughs> that was great. That was great. They just kept them coming. It's like they knew that was gonna happen or something. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I'm trying to think of like players. Not on the A's that I remember, like just going to different stadiums. I think we went to Wrigley, uh, Kyle Schwarber came up to Thuggish Ruggish Bone. (laughs) For for some reason, like, that's fucking dope. They loved it. Like, they went nuts for that. Uh, I I wouldn't expect that in Chicago, but they were were going crazy for that. So that was a good one. Um, Chapman has had some solid ones. I think he had uh, Kodak Black, Coding Dreaming. That that was bumping at the Coliseum a few years ago. Um, There's been some good ones. Matt Olson's always changing the songs to like, the latest little baby songs <laughs> <laughs> baby song this year, but he's a big hip hop head too, which I, I didn't know until like a couple years ago. So but yeah, I like the A's selection for the most part. They, they do a pretty good job with theirs. Uh,
1: mine is definitely, it's even though I hate him cause he's a cheater now, it's careless Whisper by Josh Reddick. That was just like yeah. that. Just how, how much of a joke that, that captured just <laughs> like the, the entire baseball national world and how, because it was so funny, he kept it for like a month. That was just, it was just great.
0: It's, okay, it's funny you bring him up because uh, one of my buddies went to his, he's from, he's, a, he's from LA, he's a Dodger fan. He went to his first like game in Oakland and he's like, dude, Mark Hanna comes out to Like a Virgin. He's like, I love this guy. He's so <laughs> weird. And then the very last question, I'll let everybody think about it too. If you had a walkout song, what would it be? I have a couple. I have, yeah. I'll let you guys think about it for a second, because I already had a couple in mind. Didn't we just talk about that? No. What What would your walk-up song be? Oh. Oh. Yeah. Um. One would be "Backseat Freestyle" by Kendrick Lamar. Oh man. Um. And oh, shit! Now. Now I'm I'm getting myself stuck. I think the opening of uh, "No One Knows" by Queens of Stone Age.
1: Have you, have you thought about this, Martine? I've never thought about this. I've
0: I think Kevin, asked, everybody what?
2: thinks about it, man. Like, everybody I thinks about it, that when you're a kid. Like, no,
1: I know, but I just, I, I don't
2: know what to tell you. I go through so many so many changes, like, that's a tough one. If I was to go, like, I'm just thinking, of, like, music right now, I'd probably go with, like, uh, Drake. His most recent, uh, he dropped, like, three songs recently. I think it's called uh, One With Little Baby. Let's try to find it. Wants and Needs. That's a pretty hard one. Okay. Uh, Probably go Kendrick Lamar, collect calls. Oh, interesting! I'm writing these down. now. That's kind of a low-key one. Uh, Is that from uh, Section 80? No, that's from the EP. No. Yeah, it was from his first, his first, uh, first album. First, what's it called? Good, Good Kid, Mad City. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I know what you're talking about. Um, I'm trying to think of one more. It's a tough. One. Uh,
1: um I'll I'll go while you think. I, I think I would do um uh, Babbo O'Reilly by um by uh, the Who? The Who. Yeah. That would just get me hyped up and also relax me at the same time, I think. That's one of my favorite songs.
2: This one by Nipsey Hustle, it's called Loaded Bases. I always thought that'd be clever because it's dope. Music, loaded and it starts off going loaded bases, that's my motivation. So that that would be like perfect. I would I would yeah. to play that if I came up anytime with the bases loaded, just so I could come up with that song.
1: All right, well, on that note, we actually, will, we actually will end the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Dude. We really appreciate it. it. Um, and also, uh, you heard of your first breaking news. Martin Gallegos does use Shazam every once in a while, so um, we can't trust his tweets anymore. Yeah, <laughs> Just kidding. No Thank problem. you so much. Um, check out his stuff at MLB.com. And, I mean, that goes on com too, right? Your, yeah, your content. Yeah, so OaklandA's.com or MLB.com. Uh, again, his Twitter is Martin J. MartinJGallegos. Um, definitely follow him. Um Anything else we need to plug for you?
2: Uh no, not really, but uh, look out for that podcast about walk up music. You hey, there are, you go. The art of the the art of the, po- the, the walk up. Love it, and man. And Julio
1: yeah. and I will be EPs on it. It's all good. We got you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, Martin. Thank you so
0: much for joining us, man. Yeah, I really thanks, appreciate
2: you. it. Yep, no problem. Thanks, guys.
1: All right. Welcome back. Uh, thanks again, Martine. That was a whole lot of fun. Um, It makes sense why he's such a like a walk up song connoisseur. He that dude just listens to fucking everything. Like his taste in music was just all over the place, which was great. Um, hopefully you can come back because we said when we, um, after we ended the interview, uh, that dude's dope as fuck. I want him to be my best friend. So Martina, if you're looking for a best friend, what's up? (laughs)
0: <laughs> what was the, the It's Only Sunny when you, uh, Mac is writing a letter to Chase Utley? Yeah. Okay, Chase. Even <laughs> that's you with Martin. Hope it's cool that
1: I call you Chase. Um, <laughs> there you go. All right. So let's uh, finish it off with um, previewing the upcoming schedule um, and the rest of the stuff. Um, all right. So this weekend, I was telling Julio earlier this week, this sucks that this is the weekend series. Cause like, it's already like difficult for me to watch weekend series sometimes as it is just cause I'm doing so much, but this one is definitely tough. We got Baltimore. They're in Baltimore,
0: yeah. which is cool, but. Um, I mean, it's, it's going to be nice to see Trey Mancini on the field again. Yeah. Um, you know, he set up last season. He, he went through a chemotherapy for a leukemia. So it's, you know, it's so fucking awesome that he's back on the field again and he's healthy playing again. He had a bomb last night, so that was great. But yeah, it's still Baltimore. They're they're not a great team. So, you know, hopefully we'll see some bombs coming out there from the A's. You know, um, I just
1: realized I'm gonna be in DC this on Friday through Tuesday. Maybe I'll go to one of these games.
0: Like this week?
1: Yeah. Like yeah this weekend fr- what well, go. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go. I'll let you know. I'll tweet for Town Tailgate.
0: Yeah. Anyway, but then after, after that, that... Yeah, yeah sorry. No, you go ahead. You go oh, ahead. You me, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. All right, cool. Uh, now this is going to be a fun series, but if, and it's going to be happening during the week. We have the defending AL champs, the Tampa Bay Rays, a.k.a. Tampa, Chris's second home. Uh, basically. <laughs> basically. My boss uh, there, sorry. You know, despite losing Blake Snell, despite losing Charlie Morton, uh, Hunter Renfro wasn't much in their offense, but losing him as well, they're pretty much playing where you thought they would be. They're For the in reasons place. that we said
1: in the preview, though, Julio, the re- yeah. like they they just have so much depth in their farm system, and they have forever, so they're just like cool. Blake still can go because we got more guys.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like they have the guys there, um, but something to keep out with like Tampa is yeah. They're they're pretty much they are who they thought we thought they were. Uh, Tyler Glass now has really propelled into like the upper echelon of starters in the American League. There was so much hype into him. We weren't sure if he was going to be b- going into it. Um, but he really does look like that dude. Now, the A's, we've talked about their winning streak, we're winding the waves, we're taking the waves to the East Coast. But I think this is going to be probably the biggest test they've had all season and up until... I mean, um, the Dodgers was the biggest No, well, test. The, the Dodgers-Astros series, of course, but you know but they were was,
1: yeah they weren't We ready don't talk for that about one.
0: those we don't talk about those days anymore.
1: This is but we're ter- going we're going up against like we have the streak on the line. We have a good run. Like we're going up against a good team finally. And we yeah,
0: you know, no offense to Detroit and to um Arizona. Minnesota's going to be a really good team at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. I think they just yeah. have some weird shit going on with them. But like I think Tampa this is going to be like probably the biggest test that this run of team has had all season. Yeah. And It's going to be a really great series to watch. I hope everybody's going to be tuning in. Yeah.
1: I agree. So, uh, who's your player of the week, Julio? Ooh. I'm going to pick the person that you don't, because I think there's only two options.
0: Okay. Well, it's definitely not going to be the left field (laughs) lights.
1: Is it going to be the Coliseum DJ?
0: Ooh, that's a good one, too. Also, um, I I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but uh amelia the new the new pa announcer for the a's amelia it's amelia as something she's been so much fun i've yeah, it, obviously it's been so hard to i would imagine how hard it is to fill in for dick Callahan, uh but she's been so much fun on social media and just like i love hearing her voice during the broadcast so just want to give a quick shout out when it comes to like uh employees of the coliseum but uh you know what? because i have them on my fantasy team i'm gonna take it matt olson holy shit Okay, Already brought up one. for the reasons why.
2: Um,
0: I think if he he really is the cock. If this guy is going, everybody else is gonna be going. Um he hit two home runs today, uh Wednesday the twenty first. He had a grand shalame yesterday. He just looks confident of the plate again. And especially after last season where there were so many times we were rooting for him to come through with it, he didn't come through with it, and now he's really looks like that dude. So Matt, you are my player of the week. Keep it rolling, baby. Uh, my essential uh, tailgate tool, my ETT
1: from last week. Essential tailgate tool. Just saying, kind of, sort of, not really.
0: But he was
1: in the four hole hit or hole four hole for ninety nine percent of the games. So, boom. Uh, mine is obviously. Um, so the latter, we all know. Uh, maybe we don't all know. Shamanaya, um, continued dominance. Um, like we talked about with Martin, just absurd level of just hitting your spots 62 fucking strikes or 60 something strikes and fucking 22 wa- walks that's it. again Bartolo Bartolo Colon level numbers um if you guys remember back in the day Bartolo Colon was like he was just the most accurate pitcher ever which which also kind of led to his downfall because he when he started throwing like 81 miles an hour fastballs they would just fucking rake him anyway he's been killing it i hope he keeps it up Um, also, um, a quick little player of the week to, um, our good friend, Alex Coffey for capturing just the perfect screenshot of him in his, um, uh, post game interview with just that smile, like just a nice little smirk. Uh, and he just, you know, in classic Sean, hilarious fashion, one of the funniest guys on the team. Um, it was just so, so telling and so perfect. So that's my player of the week. All right. Now to the ETTs. I'm going to start calling them that because this is fun.
0: Um, Central tailgate. So let's, before we go into who we are, or who they are will be for this coming week, let's review ours. You have a four-hole hitter. Yeah.
1: Which Very go. general.
0: That's a cop-out. But at the end but of the day.
1: We know why. I explained why last week, Julio. It's because one through three was killing it, and then the four-hole hitter like, would strike out or hit into a double play. And they didn't do that this week, which is the reason why we killed all these guys, except for today. saying
0: yeah and i had sweet lou trevino who was finally coming to his own he had his he had a couple saves he's been lights out he got a little he gave up that two run bomb to byron Buxton today uh so you know i'll give myself a b minus sure sure right Now, Chris, who are you watching this week? Who do you think is going to be the essential tool of the week?
1: My essential tailgate tool of the week is going to be Jake Diekman because after the fuck-up that Lou Trevino had today, you have an opportunity to sneak in and take back that save role. Now, it seems like he, Bob Melvin has been testing out those two guys the past few games. Um, Sweet Lou pitched in the 8th today, kind of blew that one. I would assume that um, Diekman was going to go in the ninth. Uh the second game yesterday it looked like that was going to be the situation but they kind of um uh they did do that in the second game. The first game they were going to do that uh going to do Deekman then Sweet Lou um uh, but they um I can they busted it open in those innings so they didn't need to. But it looks like he's trying to test out and find out who this closer is going to be. Um I like Deekman better than Trevino personally. I re- he's more reliable. So I want him to take that role. So I think this is this week is the opportunity to do that, especially after... Uh, I'm not like counting on Lou to lose, obviously. If Lou's good, like that's great. But I just think that this is opportunity. So that's why it's essential to the team. Yours?
0: You're muted. This coming weekend series against Baltimore is... I think it's going to be a high-scoring one. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be on Baltimore's end. But I think this is going to be a high-scoring series. I am, and I'm gonna take kind of a wild one, but I think Elvis was gonna enter enter the building this week. I was
1: thinking about going Elvis
0: because he's been slumping, but
1: but dude, Martin made some good points. He has been like a really good veteran um, leader in the class. Yeah, I
0: think he's 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 still. I don't know if his bat will get there anymore. We'll see, but Uh um, his productivity's gone up a little bit more. Um, he. He had a hit earlier today. He picked up a hit and with the doubleheader yesterday, um, he also picked up another hit against Detroit. Um, and but also in the last week, he's picked up three steals. So the productivity is going to be there. We're big proponents of just because you're the bottom hitter doesn't make you the worst hitter. It just means you're the second leadoff guy. Mm. And yeah. I think if you're going to have somebody like him who's you know has got that big league experience, he's been to World Series, he's got those three hundred plus career steals, like Martine said um i i think this is gonna be the week where he finally i don't know if he'll ever be the elvis he was when he was an all-star when he's a part of those world series teams but he can still be a pretty solid big leaguer and i think this could be a week that he's gonna show it to us he better be
1: because they invested quite a bit for him to be the next i think they have he has three years left on his contract so otherwise i don't know where they're gonna go um cool I like it. Um, So that is going to do it this week for the town tailgate. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. We will be back next week um, on Thursday mornings. What's up?
0: Then before we go, as always, if you are not subscribing to us, please make sure to subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or if you watch us on YouTube for all five of you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, (laughs) Also, if you're on Twitter, make sure you're following us. We're so close to 300 followers. We want to push over that. Make sure follow us at the Town Tailgate.
1: You know what's wild about the YouTube is we have fifteen subscribers. So why aren't all fifteen the of you watching us, guys? The hell, people. But it's it's okay if not. If you're listening to us, it does the exact same thing.
0: And one last plug before we go. I just want to give a quick plug to somebody who's been a big follower of us for uh, from the beginning. Uh, my primo, my cousin Alex. He came through this weekend, and he hooked me. He hooked us up with some nice A's Athletics IPAs from Saint Archer. Nice. Um, So you know, Alex, thank you so much. We appreciate the plug. Uh, Hopefully, these are going to be some nice rally beers we're going to have going for throughout the season.
1: Oh yeah, Um, that'll do it. Last but not least, Julio.
0: Let's go, Oakland. Into the ocean because the waves are going to keep coming, baby.
1: And we're going to the ocean because we're going (laughs) streaking Through the quad into the gymnasium. The Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, (laughs) and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly social media management and marketing is run by once again, my partner Julio Reynoso and a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal for composing and producing our theme song as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.